This is the Jabberjaw Podcast Network. For years, I was so fed up with shampoo, I just stopped washing my hair. I quit completely. I was so sick of poofy, frizzy, limp hair, distorting my natural oils. Until a few months ago, I found modern mammals and it changed everything. And by the way, right now you can visit modernmammals.com and use code LSS for 10% off. So check that out. So look, I heard about this through the podcast and before I agreed to advertise, they sent it to me and I was reluctant. But let me tell you, I should not have been. This stuff is absolutely magical. My hair felt better, smelled way better, and most importantly, looked better. And I know it will do the same for you as well. It doesn't have those hair-ruining chemicals like other products, and it doesn't leave any leftover residues. It works. Don't believe me? Go read their awesome reviews online as well. Go to ModernMammals.com and use code LSS for 10% off. Again, that's ModernMammals.com for 10% off with promo code LSS. Don't forget to use our promo code LSS so they know we sent you. What is up, Lead Singer Syndrome listeners? I hope your Pokemon adventures are going swimmingly. My name is Shane Told, and as always, I am your host as I talk to other lead singers about what it's like to be the front man or front woman of a professional band. If this sounds a little echoey, it's because I'm backstage at a festival in Germany, and this is the best place I could find. Uh, Gorgo Bredello is ripping an awesome set right now. What a band. I love them so much. It sucks that I'm missing them, but I have to record this. So sorry about the echo in this room. I hope it's not too bad. But hey, what can you do? Today we have another great show. Kevin Jordan of the awesome acoustic duo This Wildlife joins me. And if anyone has the Pokemon bug, it's him. (laughs) But we have a great discussion. They have a new record, Low Tides. It's coming out really soon. Uh, Check out their new song. Also, maybe maybe give it a little pre-order on the Epitaph website. Uh, But hey, before we dive into all things Pikachu with Kevin, I want to remind you, you can always get in touch with me. We got Snapchat, The Real Shane Told. We got Twitter, at Lead Singer Sin, S-Y-N. Instagram, at Lead Singer Syndrome. We're on Facebook. I think it's Lead Singer Sin, S-Y-N again. And if you want to get all old school and email me, it's LeadSingerSyndrome at gmail.com. So feel free to make guest recommendations, show recommendations, the love, the hate. It's all good. I really love doing this show so much, and it's really great to hear your feedback week after week. Also, if you want to support the show, you know, this does cost money to to produce this every week. Um, So one way you can help, it's really easy. If you buy anything online, if you buy anything on Amazon, go to leadsingersyndrome.com slash Amazon. It'll take you right to the Amazon homepage, log in as you normally would, and anything you buy on there, we get 4%. So if it's a big purchase, great. If it's a small purchase, that's still totally fine. It all adds up. So if you don't mind, just if you can remember when you go to Amazon, just to type in that link, leadsingersyndrome.com slash Amazon. It would really go a long way in uh, 
in helping the show, you know, continue trucking along as it's been doing for, geez, what are we at? Episode 37? So wild. Anyways, that's all for the intro this week. Thanks for tuning in. Here's my conversation with Kevin Jordan of This Wildlife, and I'll talk to you after. We've got a lot of history, but there's too much space between you and me. And you have plans, yeah, I have dreams, but do I have the guts in me? I got you perfectly, dude. Okay, cool. You sound clear as a bell. You got me? Yeah, I do. Perfect, dude. Very nice to talk to you. This is pretty crazy because I think we've just set the record for the earliest uh, podcast time uh, ever because right now it is 8 o'clock in the morning in California. Is that really that early for most people? I think it is, dude. Especially like, you know, the whole cliche rock star, like, you know, dude sleeping in till the afternoon after the long night of, and I know how this is, I mean, this is this wildlife. This is the band name, obviously. <laughs> so uh, that's all you guys are doing is like groupies and, and fucking blow and all this shit all night. <laughs> so for Kevin Jordan to be up at 8 a.m. is like, I think just a miraculous occasion. I had to have a cup of coffee to stay up past 11 last night so that I could go, uh, <laughs> go hunting Pokemon by the beach. So. Oh no! Are you in? The, you're into the Pokemon thing? Yeah, I'm definitely that generation. So I, I've kind of lost my mind with it, and we haven't been touring. So uh, yeah, I'm pretty. I'm pretty deep. <laughs> it's funny because um, I guess I'm a bit older than you, and I know absolutely nothing about it. Like uh, I, and people don't believe me when I say this too, which is interesting because I put on Twitter like I literally know one Pokemon, Pikachu. It's the only one I've heard of. And I know nothing else about it. And people think I'm bullshitting. They're like, how can you exist? How can you exist on this planet and not know like what a squirtle is or something? And I'm like, a squirtle? I've never heard this. That's word. like me in sports, I guess. Like I only know 90s sports and any like athlete that has existed since the 90s. I have no clue who they are. Yeah, I guess. I mean, I guess it's like what you focus your attention to. But like, yeah, when Pokemon came out, I think I put in my tweet too. I was like, I was already literally like in a hardcore band when, <laughs> when Pokemon came out. So, <laughs> so showing my age a little bit, but yeah, like, I, I don't know. I mean, it's, the world has gone a little, a little mental over this. I don't know how I feel about it. Yeah. It's, it's strange. It's like, I'm going out to places that normally don't have a lot of people. And then there's just people like cell phone zombies walking around trying to catch Pokemon in the middle of the night. But don't you feel like that guy though? Like, like, Oh yeah. I'm, a- I'm absolutely one of those zombies. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, like, doesn't that, like, for me, I, <laughs> how much I was into it, I just think the social, like, <laughs> ramification of being that person, I don't think I could do it. I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, I, I guess I just deal with it. <laughs> <laughs> it's that good. It's so good. You have to. Watch, no, uh, I guarantee you, I'm going to get the app somehow. Someone will, like, force me to get it, or I'll try it, and I'll be hooked, and I'll just be like everybody else. And I'll, I'll laugh at my non-Pokemon self before I knew the world, the wonderful world of Pokemon. Well, I'll take you under my wing if you do, I promise. Okay, all right. It's a deal. It's a deal. But people actually get angry because they'll say something about catching Pokemon to me, and I'll be like, yeah, 
like on, you know responding on social media i'll be like yeah i'm just like not into it people get actually mad because they're like you're in like you're traveling all over the world on tour like you have such an advantage man you would catch so many i know i'm actually like, looking oh forward God. to that the most i'm like the <laughs> <laughs> I'm, wow I'm, that's that i'm catching the same really funny, the dude. same you know pokemon over and over here so i gotta i gotta change my my environment up right damn dude so you um so right now you guys are chilling in California at home, uh, you're going on the road soon, or what? What's going on right now? Yeah, we're announcing uh, today. We're announcing our, our first headline tour. Perfect. And okay. so I think that we're actually announcing that in like a couple hours here. So we're going to be awesome. going out uh, September 14th through October 19th. So right after the new record, uh, Low Tides yep. drops on nine nine. Yep. So nine fourteen, you'll be on the road. You said first headline tour ever. Yeah. Well, at least in the states, we've done uh, we've done a couple headline tours in the UK. But yeah. up to this point, we still haven't yet to do a headliner in the states. We've played you know shows here and there and off dates on support tours and stuff, but we just haven't had the kind of the timing or the opportunity to go out and and play our own play to our own crowd. So. That seems crazy to me to, you know, cause you guys are putting out, I mean, I guess it's your kind of second, like official album, but you guys have had stuff like before and, you know, it seems like you guys have been around for a while, um, and you've had some success. So for you guys to have this be your first headline tour just seems really, really like kind of blowing my mind. Yeah. I, th- I think it's just, you know, some, some bands are kind of put in the position where early on they kind of have to grind and, and go out there and do these like DIY headline tours and stuff. And we just, you know, I've been in bands like that in the past and I just realized that, Hey, there's a ton of money involved in going out and doing that, that we don't really have. So why don't we just invest the little money that we do have in creating more content, uh, doing videos, making, you know, polished sounding recordings, making merch. And we just found that that was a better, a better investment of our time and our money and also we were sure. working full-time jobs. Like we couldn't just leave, you know, whenever we wanted to. So early on, I mean, we've been a band for five years now and, but we didn't, we didn't start touring until about two and a half years ago. So the first couple of years of the band was literally just making music, making videos, uh, playing local shows. Yeah. That's, that's wild. That's just, that's cr- pardon the pun. No, uh, that, but, but really like, yeah, it's just so strange to me that this is happening now. And, one thing I wanted to ask you, like, I mean, obviously, your band is quite unique. Um, not that there aren't any other acoustic duos, um, you know, out there in the world that there are, there's got to be plenty of them. But for you guys to kind of be in this, you know, punk rock uh, scene, Warped Tour scene, whatever you want to call it, um, you're kind of the only game in town, you know? And it must be difficult for you guys, especially since you've never done a headline tour, to try to fit in. Um, on any tour that you do, uh, that must be difficult. I don't know. We've, we've always kind of seen it as a, as a benefit rather than a drawback. I just think it's better to stand out than to fall in line. And, you know, nothing to me is more boring than going to a tour, uh, that has, you know, five bands on it and they all sound super similar. I'm a fan of mixed bills. I'm a fan of going to shows and, and getting something put in front of me that, isn't something that I would normally listen to because I think people get, sometimes people can get too comfortable listening to what they do and, and never branch out. But what I notice most of all these days, 
is that people are super, super open-minded that, you know, the guys in the crowd that are wearing Black Dahlia murder shirts like this wildlife and the guys that go to see Newfound Glory also listen to hip hop. So I, I don't know. We don't, we don't see it as yeah. a struggle. We think it's good. No. And I mean, I'm a fan of all kinds of different bands too. You know, I like all kinds of different music. Um, and I would be very comfortable to see, you know, those, all those bands, you know, you're mentioning together on one bill. That would be fine for me. But for some reason, it just doesn't always, you know, jive with everybody. Um, you know, so, so that's, that's kind of why I ask you the question, but, um, it's also the kind of thing too, like, I mean, you guys must have been sandwiched between like on certain bills, you must be sandwiched between some heavy bands sometimes where it's like, it must be a little hard to get the crowd's ah, energy back after like some metal band plays. Has that happened to you guys? We've been fortunate enough that usually we play right before the heavy band on the bills. Um, so we've, we've been on, you know, a tour right before Beartooth. Uh, we did a last spring, we did a tour we were on right before turnstile. So, it, yeah, I, I know. Oh, there's like two of the best live bands. <laughs> I know, it's, and and that would actually be <laughs> that would be a huge struggle to come on after a band like that, and like, yeah, yeah. But that's a, that must be a thing too, like the whole music business, you know, of like, well, we want better billing and we want to play later on the bill so our band looks bigger. But for you guys, it might not always be better, you know, to play later, which which is like kind of backwards too from the whole, you know you know, music industry and, and all that shit. Well, I always just say like on a bill, the heaviest band always wins, you know, whoever has, whoever (laughs) has the heaviest sound is like going to kind of stand out the most. And because of that, you know, we kind of realized like last uh, fall we did the AP tour and it was Mayday Parade, Real Friends and As It Is. And so we were second on the package and we came out, came on after As It Is, who I know you've, you've toured with. And they're like super high energy, incredible band. And what we realized was, hey, we have some we have some songs that are more like pop punk leading, even though they're acoustic. It's like, should we just play those songs to try to kind of fit in more? And we decided, let's play our softest, slowest set to date just to, to stand out even more. Like, if we're going to be a sore thumb, let's be a sore fucking thumb. And yeah, I don't know, man. It's like sometimes you get them, sometimes you don't. But I, I just... We, we think that there's there's more value in us going out there and standing out as much as possible. But I, but I don't know. We're just not scared of playing with punk bands or hardcore bands. It, every, everybody who listens to that stuff comes up to us after, you know, after a show. And, and it's always the um, I, I call them butt fans because like they'll be, they'll basically oh, yeah. say to you, I don't listen to stuff like you guys normally, but you know, and then they explain why they like you and it's almost like, exactly like their, their guilty pleasure or something like that. And like, which I don't <laughs> yeah. get cause I don't, I just, I don't have guilty pleasures. I just have pleasures, but well, at least musically, you're also running around catching Pokemon dude. So, uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, um, but okay. But now you have, your first headline tour, and some people will know this, like, you know, people in bands or industry people understand this, but a lot of times, like, fans don't understand that the headline band on a tour uh, almost always picks the support bands. So the tour you said is being announced today. By the time this goes out, it'll already be, uh, be out, so don't worry about spilling the beans. Yeah, um, So what bands are on the tour? Who did, you, who did you take, and why did you take them? Well, we initially decided we wanted, only wanted to do a three-band bill and possibly just have like a, um, a local that we would select from each city. 
And the cool. the reasoning for that was just, I don't know, sometimes you see these five-band bills and the headliner doesn't go on until, you know, 11.30 at night or something like that. And I don't yes. know, we just, we didn't want to do that. We're going into small clubs and the kinds of bands that are going to open up on a small club tour typically aren't going to be, you know, big drawing bands anyways. So we said, hey, let's just keep it small. And instead of paying, you know, paying a, an opener a hundred bucks to be on the tour. Why don't we just try to find a better direct support band and, and pay them a little more. And, and then that idea kind of went out the window and we ended up with a four band package. Uh, and it's only because of, uh, our friend Taylor from Beartooth. Um, he was at South by so, so what with us last March. And yep. he told us about this band that he, he had started managing and is actually just a solo, uh, girl. And she goes by the name many rooms and it's just she plays guitar and sings and just has these beautiful sad songs and literally like within 10 minutes of listening to it on the drive home we were just like yeah she like we have to have her on the tour this is great and th- cool. the reason that we're having her on the tour is like we think that it'll kind of balance out the the bill a little bit more and i don't know it just seems like it's going to set a really nice pace to the night starting off so we're going to just do four bands every night uh, starting with many rooms, uh, the second band we actually saw at South by So What that day as well, and instantly said, "Hey, let's send this band an offer." Uh, is a band called Movements, and they're kind of like a, oh, I've heard of them. Yes, yeah, they kind of sound like a like a, a mashup of uh, like Citizen and Being as an Ocean. I would say it's really really yeah. cool, uh, and they they ended up being from Southern California as well. And uh, the direct support band is Have Mercy. From uh, from Baltimore, wow. who we're just wow, who cool. we're just huge fans of, and um, it, and we're stoked, man. It's like yeah, like I said, to to have a, a first tour go out and and be able to pick the bill like that and really get the bands that that we wanted uh, is really cool. I mean, when we initially made like an email to send to our booking agent of bands that like we would really want to go after, Have Mercy was on that list. So it, it just worked out perfectly timing wise and No, Have Mercy are great and, and it's yeah, it's just it is interesting to have like a punk band you know or whatever you want to call them. They you know, they're a pretty aggressive band. Yeah. Um to be playing right before you guys, which and it's your choice to do that, which is uh which is cool. I think that's that's really awesome and you guys are being true to you know bands you like and 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 you know, you want your fans to like the bands you like too. So, you know, that's uh that's a cool approach. Yeah, we're stuck on it. So you guys, um, I, I want to talk about the early days a little bit of the band because I think it's a unique story how it ended up being just the two of you guys after having a full, you know, a full band for lack of a better word. Um, and I understand you didn't even start out as being the singer. Is that true? Yeah, I've actually always been a drummer, and then my last band, our guitarist quit, so I ended up, you know, kind of sidestepping to guitar while we were looking for a guitarist. Never found one. That band broke up. Then I started this band with the singer of my old band, and I ended up writing the songs uh, that would end up being on our, our first EP. But I wrote the vocals for him, and he initially even recorded them, and just ended up quitting. didn't didn't want to do music anymore. And <laughs> our first show, I actually went up on stage and said, "Hey, I'm not actually the singer of this band. If anybody can <laughs> sing better than me, then come talk to me after the show." And we still held, even after that show, we held vocal auditions and stuff. And eventually, the guys just kind of pressured me into, "Hey, just go back and re-record these songs, and we'll put it out. Like it's taking too long. Let's just do this." And 
yeah, I guess I kind of just got bullied into <laughs> singing for the band. It's so funny, though, because I, I, it's such a common theme on the show, man. Like, I don't know what percentage-wise, but so many dudes are like, yeah, I was a drummer, guitar player, um, you know, nobody else could, could carry a tune in the band, and I just got stuck with singing. And here I am all these years later, and I'm like a lead singer, but I don't even feel like a lead singer, you know? Um it's funny, like, yeah, like, like Kevin Jordan's not a singer. You're a drummer. You know, I'm a guitar player. You know, I never wanted to be a singer. It's like, it's just really interesting how so many of us lead singers just kind of back our way into it somehow. I noticed that with, uh, with Ryan from Seaway, their, their story is kind of similar how, you know, he played drums for their old, uh, you know, like metalcore band. And then Seaway kind of formed away from him. They said, Hey, the only thing left is in the band to, to fill position wise is the singer. So he just went in and did it. You know? <laughs> well, I don't know. It's funny too. Like I, I know you're not a sports guy, but it's also you know when you're a kid and you play like baseball, it always seems like the guy that's the best pitcher is also the best is the best hitter is the best catcher is the best. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like it's just like the best athlete is the best athlete, and in some ways maybe that's the same with musicians. Is that you know. Um, there's just certain people like, you, you know, do you talk about Beartooth, you know, look at like Caleb from Beartooth, like the guys, the guy can do anything, you know? Yeah. He's just an um, incredible so, all around musician. Exactly. That's funny. No, um, uh, Seaway is like from my exact hometown in Canada, like not even like the same part of the same hometown, like literally like one street over is where we grew up together and they're younger than me. So I never knew them. Um, but that's, it's just the funny, the small, the small world thing, you know? Yeah. So you guys have this band, you're singing, uh, you've got a drummer and you've got a bass player, I assume, and some like, you know, distorted guitars. What made you decide just to kind of drop that or whatever and, and make this just a stripped down acoustic thing? Well, we have a buddy who that, uh, that produced our early stuff named Jason Suido, and he has like a really nice studio out in Costa Mesa, California. And yeah, he started he recorded our second record there. Okay. Okay, you probably did it at Hurley Studios right down the street. We did it at uh, Maple Studios. Oh, okay. In, uh, I guess it's Santa Ana, but it's like right by South South Coast Plaza. Like you know that that's where we lived. True. Yeah, right it's there, a, so. a beautiful area that I feel very white trash in. <laughs> no, it's great. I love it there. But um, yeah, he had just like this great studio, and he started doing these videos, and I just decided to do one of our full band songs, just acoustic, just to see how how it would go, and throw it up on YouTube. It ended up doing pretty well, and people seemed to like comment on it, saying, like, "Oh, I kind of like Kevin's voice, you know, better on this song with the acoustic guitar rather than the drums and distorted guitars." And so, a little while after that, we did we did a cover, um, and Anthony played guitar with along with me. We did like an "A Day to Remember" cover of their like you know a big acoustic song if it means a lot to you, and yes, yes. that was kind of like the first time where we actually had something that kind of went, you know, went viral and started getting, you know, hundreds of thousands of views and, you know, eventually getting millions of views. And at that time we were like, well, well, people seem to really like this. And so I decided, well, I'm going to, I'm going to write an acoustic song for the band. And so I wrote a song, I wrote our first acoustic song, it was called Ripped Away. And which is like, you know, ends up still being something that we play on every single tour. And I, I wrote it on my my lunch break in the, in the break room at Guitar Center, <laughs> and you know we made another video for it, and that was like you know one of our most viewed original music videos for years. 
And, you know, it's still even on our, like, Spotify Top 5, and it's off of a self-released EP that we did, you know, like, four years ago. So it's, it, it kind of, the, the proof the proof is in the pudding, you know? It's like, these sure. people were organically grabbing onto these songs that we were releasing that were acoustic, and we had never played an acoustic show. We had only played full band shows. I mean, when we first started in Southern California, we played shows with The Wonder Years, Story So Far, Transit, The Dangerous Summer... Uh, tons of tons of uh, great bands, and we had never, ever, ever played an acoustic show. So without any of that like promotion or work going into it, organically, we were already selling more, selling more tracks of the acoustic stuff. Definitely getting more traction online with people talking about it, and and we honestly every label in the in the industry had passed on our band just said, no, you know, it's not, not for us, you know? And, and everybody in this industry gives you what I call like nice nose. Nobody tells you you suck because nobody wants to be the guy that, you know, that told Adele that, you know, she didn't have the looks to be a star or something like that. And then it comes back like years later and they're like, ah, shit, I'm fired because I didn't sign Adele. (laughs) So, (laughs) yeah. So nobody wants to do that. Nobody wants to be the bad guy. And, and it kind of sucks because you don't get the truth from a lot of people. But I will say, um, Jake Brown from Pure Noise early on told us, hey, I don't like your full band stuff, but I'd re- release an acoustic EP for you. And, and we, Interesting. we, yeah. we kind of came back to that and after, after we had been literally passed on by like, the last label that was interested in us. And we were just like, you know, this stuff is already kind of working. What if we just did an independent record. Like we we're already self-releasing everything. We're doing pre-orders. We're running our own merch store from my apartment. We were just doing everything that, you know, we were just emulating all the bands that we saw that were successful. And we, we said, what if we just make a full length record on our own and just make literally never tour. We'll just work our jobs and we'll just make a video for every song. And that was our plan. So we, you know, we self yeah. self-funded uh, our full, our f- first full length clouded. We went out to Florida, recorded it with Aaron Marsh from Copeland, you know, and we, we yeah. basically just charged our cards just to make it happen. And while we were out there is when we started getting contacted by management companies and, and labels and stuff. But it was, you know, initially there was no pressure. We wrote the, wrote the album really quickly just because we wanted to get into the studio and it, it was just going to be an independent release. So what is it? you think in your opinion that makes the acoustic versions of your songs with your voice the songs you write the acoustic versions so much more compelling than the full band i must have thought about that i don't know that that the acoustic versions of full band songs end up being that that great because i think we've only done one of those possibly that was actually a full band song that I did a, an acoustic version of the rest of them we wrote as acoustic songs and I actually think right. that is more where the strength lies um, but I do think there's something to it with just my voice I have a soft voice I like singing in falsetto and I don't like you know stretching stretching my, my voice too hard when, when I was younger all I ever wanted to do was sound like Dustin Kensu from Thrice he just had this gigantic powerful voice and so much range and power and I always wanted that I always wanted a gritty voice and I cannot tell you how many frustrated hours I've spent in the car trying to yell along to albums that I just sound like fucking dog shit trying to yell along to because that's just not my voice 
And eventually it just came down to where, Hey, why don't I stop working against myself here and just sure. like really take, just take it for what it is and, and try to be the best version of myself as a singer. And that's when things started to click. I think as a songwriter and as just a singer, uh, is when I started playing to my strengths instead of playing against myself. So I, I, I well, think, I think my yeah. voice is just more suited to the softer stuff. Sure. No, I think, I think maybe that makes sense then that, that, that's what makes it more compelling. Um, the other thing too, though, I think like I've always said a great song is a great song, you know, when you strip it down to chords and melody, you know, and in, in your case, it, it ends up being, you know, mostly acoustic guitar and vocals and, you know, there's some layering and stuff, but really you're stripping down a song. And I feel like a lot of times with a full band, people get a little hung up on like, oh, that's a cool drum part, or that's a cool drum fill, or that's a, you know, a nice little guitar lead in there and stuff. And they don't focus on the actual song, you know? And when you're limited to just acoustic guitar, generally like chords, strumming, you know, that's what makes a song special. So do you think that, that when you took away the full element of the band, maybe the songs came alive because of that? Yeah, and I've always said it's like with with acoustic stuff, there's not much to hide behind. So when people can hear every single lyric, when they can hear the melody so easily, there isn't a ton of, you know, kind of production tricks or a ton of instrumentation that, that you can throw on top of a bad line or a bad melody or a bad lyric that is gonna save that. Because no. it, it, everything is just so out in the open when, when things are acoustic that you, you don't have the opportunity to, to throw in like a, a throwaway lyric or a throwaway melody. Not to say that every lyric or melody this wildlife's ever written has been fucking great, but you know it's, it, <laughs> it, it just it, it becomes a lot harder as a songwriter to be lazy. And I don't know, yeah, I, I, I would always hope that it, it shows that we take a lot of time writing songs. It's not, not all the time. Sometimes the best ones are really easy, but we definitely do, you know, focus on, on putting out quality stuff, you know, for this next record we're putting out, we wrote like 22 songs and, and cut it down to 10 just because we were just like, Hey, let's, let's really put out the absolute best shit that we can do and, and not pull any punches. Sure. That's no, that's awesome. I always, I always think that that's interesting too. It's a conversation I've had with, with different people about how many songs they write. And, you know, some people are like, yeah, we wrote 50 songs for this record. No, that's too many. You wrote 50 (laughs) songs, you know, but 22, I guess is, uh, 22 sounds, sounds doable. And, um, Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price. Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's cousin Kevin's kazoo concert in Kansas city, go Kevin or Becky's bachelorette bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Uh, How does it work with you guys, with you and Anthony writing? Um, It must be easier to coordinate band practice with just two guys. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. And you don't have to get a PA, you know, or anything like that. You don't really even have to have a practice space. You can just, like, find a living room somewhere. That must be refreshing. Yeah, I think that a lot of people don't realize that that we we still have all the same things that full bands do. 
and it becomes even more of a pain in the ass because there's less people to delegate work to. <laughs> so, yeah, but oh, you mean like on tour, like like when you have to bring production and all that? Yeah, but I mean, we, mean we even that's how we practice now. I mean, we practice with in ears playing along to a to a metronome and stuff. And we're like I said, we're both drummers, so we're we're like we have to play along to a click because if we don't, we look back at video footage and we're like, fuck the the tempo for that song was horrible live. And we're just overly analytical on that kind of stuff. Yeah. That's interesting. But yeah, it's with the writing process. um, I don't know. We, I, I, I I do all of the vocals myself and Anthony's kind of like a, a good editor. Um, And by that, I mean, he kind of will tell me what stands out to him. And then if he, you know, if he's not crazy about it, really, there's only two cooks in the kitchen. So if it doesn't taste good to the other guy, then I kind (laughs) of, you know, add some seasoning or whatever, but he is a really, really great guitarist. uh, And he comes up with ideas just like, he's just a riff master. He's a prolific riffer. So I am really tough. Acoustic shredder. I love that. I'm really tough on like I, I cannot find a jumping off point. I'll sit there and strum a guitar for an hour and nothing will jump out to me. But I'm more talented at at writing stuff along with other people. So when he comes up with a riff idea, you know I can find some nice chord changes to go around it. I can structure a song well, and vocals kind of just you know they they just kind of come to your head. And uh, I don't know how writing is for you, but it's not a difficult process to write vocals. It's you know, it's usually the first idea that comes to your head is the one that sticks. But, uh, yeah. You mean with writing melodies? Yeah. 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 I, I find writing melodies is, is definitely for me is easier than writing lyrics. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, writing, like <laughs> writing lyrics is the worst. Yeah, that's um, true. But so generally, so you guys come up with musical idea generally, and then do you kind of just sort of hum a melody over it before, like while you're writing, or do you kind of try to come up with the bulk of the music first and then after it's like after Anthony's gone home, that's when you start working on the vocals. Yeah, or do you kind of do it all together? I would, I would say the majority of it we write separately. I mean, we live pretty close to each other, but we still write uh, a lot independently. I would say there's only like literally one song on the new record that we wrote in the room together, uh, and that's just both kind of how we how we both write. It's just especially for me with vocals. I don't want somebody there like breathing down my neck while I'm trying things out that I've never done before. Like, I just want there to be a no judgment, you know, zone where I can sing like shit and try lyrics that are embarrassing and, and and really flesh something out before showing it to anybody. So of course, totally. So when we're demoing, you know, we just both have, have laptops and he'll send a riff over and I'll, I'll record some parts around it, record a vocal, throw it on the top and then show it to him. And when I said we wrote like 22 songs for the record, by songs, I usually mean ideas, you know, like they're not fully fleshed out ideas. Typically yeah. they're like two parts, you know, it's like a verse and a chorus or, you know, sometimes I'll throw a bridge on there and then I, and that's how we actually go into the studio. We don't even bother finishing songs because we just find that they change so much in the studio anyways, that doing too much pre-production could, could be bad because, you're not going in there with an open mind and you're just trying to recreate the demos rather than create the best version of the song. So yeah, that's an interesting point. Sure. So we have, we just come up with a lot of ideas. I mean, we have ideas that we have pushed to the side cause we don't think they're great. This wildlife ideas necessarily. Uh, maybe they just don't kind of fit 
the the mood that we're going for on this record that we had and right you know but it's something that could end up being something else in the future but yeah i don't write a ton but anthony writes constantly uh and i i think for me part of it is because i just don't want to continue stepping on my own toes lyrically uh and i and i would rather experience more and then write about it rather than just continue writing about the same things over and over Right. It must be interesting, though, like just having two members in a band when, you know, because I mean, I've only been in bands with five guys or four guys. And, you know, there's always like kind of some separation between personalities and stuff in the band. But with you, it's literally it's with your band. It's literally you and one other guy. And I can just think of two scenarios like when working on stuff where it's like, I don't know, what do you think? And he's like, I don't know. And then you just kind of sit there, like two guys <laughs> not having a third person to ask, um, you know. So, so that's the other thing. And then it must just be hard when you're on tour, whatever. When you guys are hanging out, which obviously you see each other all the time, you have to talk about things all the time. Like if you guys just don't agree, there's no like vote. Like there's no you know there's no um, um, there's, way to, to no split the vote. Right, right. There's no tiebreaker. I know. So is that is that dynamic in your band? Is it difficult at times or you guys just, just get along really well? No, it's, it's super, super challenging. And you know, we, everybody like all, everybody who tours with us just refers to us as the husband and wife. Cause we're always bickering and <laughs> no, it, it is, it is really tough, but I will say this, that we've both gotten really good at not necessarily like compromising, but when somebody has a vision and, and it's something that's important to them, usually the other one will drop it if they don't feel as strongly about it. And right. we definitely like lean on, on people outside of, of the two of us. Like we have a, you know, just our group of friends that have toured with us and stuff. And, you know, even if it comes down to merch designs or album titles and stuff like that, I mean, we generally don't agree on much. So <laughs> we, we kind of lean on our, <laughs> we lean on our friends a lot for that kind of stuff. Uh, you know, with, with decisions for, you know, real like band business decisions and stuff like that, we rely on, you know, management and label and stuff like that for, for a lot of it, because like, yeah, like you said, there's just no tiebreaker. And I think we both realize that we lack so much perspective by being so close to the project that we're in that, you you know, it's like, I'll end up liking a song because of a lyric in the second verse that nobody would give a shit about. Anthony will end up liking a song because of one lead line that he plays in the bridge that nobody's going to give a shit about ultimately. And I think, yeah. you know, so in the studio, we, we lean on our producers a lot, you know, within the that band, was my next question. We, re- yeah. we, we lean on our management a lot within just ideas in general. We lean on our friends because I, I think we both realize that we lack perspective and I, I don't know. It's like sometimes the thing that you love the most, everybody, nobody else in the, in your fans really cares about. I mean, I know for a fact, all of my favorite merch designs have been our worst sellers. So <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Yep. No, whenever I see a merch design and, and I'm I'm kind of the guy in the band like that's I don't know if I'm just the like the least cool or whatever, but every time like it's the same way. I'm like, that's the worst merch design I've ever seen and it's always the best seller. Like I just don't you know I just don't know what's hip, I guess, you know. Back to the Pokemon thing again or whatever, like I just don't I just don't get it. But but no, I was gonna ask you about um I wanna talk about the new album a little bit too, but um I know you worked with Aaron Marsh of Copeland, um and you know you did it your first full length with him um he must have almost been like the third band member uh right i mean for that was would you say that 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 was it was that um 
that much the case? Yeah, absolutely. And with your new record, did you, who did you work with on the new record? Uh, we did the exact same thing. So we went back to Aaron Marsh. So Aaron again. And had the same yeah. uh, same mixer, Jason Suido, who is the guy that I was talking about earlier that you know we re- recorded our early stuff with. Um, yeah, and actually in between these two records, we did like a re-release. We did three tracks, and we had Jeremy McKinnon and Eric Ron produce it. And it was this great experience. Like we actually gelled super, super well. We It was super productive. We did three songs in three days. And it was so much fun, and, and the the end result of it f- just didn't feel like what we loved about Clouded, uh, and so we ended up deciding to go back and work with Aaron, who, uh, you know, as different as Anthony and I are, I think Aaron and Anthony are even more different, <laughs> and they get along even less. So, really? Yeah, they're just totally different people. I mean, Anthony's like you know a Pittsburgh sports guy, and is really really. Um, how do I put it? He's, he's just like super, super honest and truthful, but like brutally, you know? And, and Aaron is more of a, you know, he's more of just like artistic kind of sensitive guy. And he really, really digs into the records that he makes. And generally he makes a, he makes a, a fair amount of records with bands, but he really does a lot of, um, kind of singer songwriter stuff where it allows him to, Put, put be a little more heavy handed with the production and the arrangement. So I think it's, you know, we've had struggles with Aaron with, um, you know, just control where there's only the two of us and then there's the one of him. And so he's supposed to be the tiebreaker. But then sometimes, you know, our, our directions that we're, we're thinking about going differ. And, you know, sometimes we'll, we'll have to just be in the studio and say, okay, you got to trust me on this one. This is what's going to be the best. And it's like when, like I said before, whoever really feels this, the, the strongest about it is who we're going to usually defer to and say, all right, let's go down the rabbit hole. Let's try what you wanted. But yep. I mean, our records would not sound anything close to what they do now if it wasn't for Aaron, because we are two drummers who are, we're, we're two pretty good drummers who are decent guitarists and, have only written as many songs as this wildlife has songs out. So we really don't have, uh, you know, a ton of experience as songwriters. Obviously, you know, we've listened to music for a very long time and we've, you know, written songs on, on drums and stuff. So we, we understand the process, but Aaron has written tons and tons of songs that I absolutely love. Copeland's one of my top three favorite bands. And the reason we went to him in the first place is we said, Hey, we write these kind of, pop leaning acoustic songs that almost sound like acoustic pop punk songs. What if we went to a producer who is more experienced in darkening things up and different arrangement with strings and horns and keys and stuff like that? What if we went to somebody like that to bring a, a totally new like sonic element to our, to our songs that we're writing? Cause initially the, the, this wildlife acoustic songs was just me on acoustic and Anthony on acoustic, kind of single vocal. Of course, yeah. Well, and, that's the thing. Like I was going to ask you. Sorry, I'll let you finish your finish what you're saying. But yes, and we just knew that if we went to him, that he would be able to help kind of shape it, shape the mood of the record, and color the songs in a in a a different a different shade than we were able to do on our own with just guitar work. Yeah, on our first record, we were a little less um, susceptible to to trying new things. Cause you know, the, in, the main inspiration for this wildlife acoustic stuff when we first started out was dashboard confessional. And if you listen to a dashboard record, there isn't a whole lot going on. 
And we kind of had that discussion with, with Aaron on the, f- the first record. We said, hey, well, Dashboard was able to do this without adding these million things that you want to add. And they were super successful, and those songs are great. So why can't we do that? And it was this like <laughs> heartbreaking moment where Aaron says, no offense to Kevin, but Chris Carrava is like the most compelling and captivating fucking singer of all time. And that is not what Kevin sounds like at all. <laughs> wow. <laughs> and it was tough, man. Real it's like, talk, yeah. It, yeah, it's hard to hear that kind of shit. And, and, you know, we went in there because I've listened to so much pop music and pop punk, you know, coming up as a songwriter. All I want to do is sing higher harmonies on every fucking chorus and, and do all these things. And Aaron time and time again would have to just tell me. He's like, dude, it just doesn't fucking sound good with your voice, man. He's like, I don't know what to tell you. He goes, but you have this beautiful low register. You have a beautiful falsetto. Why are you fucking trying to shout at the top of your lungs so much? He's like, you just need to stop. <laughs> and it's hard hard to hear that kind of stuff. But I, I think it ends up being really important. And, and once you can kind of own that, like I said, you just start using it to as your own strength rather than a weakness. Well, with production and stuff, I mean... Do you or Anthony have experience recording bands or, you know, because obviously like when you're talking about this wildlife, there's going to be layering uh, of like strings and there's going to be some percussion, not to mention just, you know, layering probably some electric guitars over acoustic guitars and stuff like that. Um, Is that all Aaron's vision of he's like, all right, we need we need like strings here. We need keys here. We need or or is that something that you guys kind of do when you demo um, yeah, we definitely in the past doing that? we definitely have like a like framework and a vision for songs uh, while we're demoing, and I would say even more so on the new record because we went into it so much more open minded. And you know, on the new record, I think there's only, I mean, there's probably only one song that's just acoustic guitar, and actually, even that song has strings on it. So we we definitely were open more open minded about layering this time through, and I think that the benefit of that is if every song is just acoustic guitar or electric guitar, it kind of, each song lacks its own voice. So we definitely went into it more, more open-minded of instrumentation to allow each song to be not only the best version of itself, but to have its own voice on the record. And, you know, that becomes tough at a time to keep everything cohesive. But I think the anchor of the, the majority of our songs is my vocal and the acoustic guitar. And so when you build a song sure. around that, I think yeah. it's 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 all right to go out and venture out with other instrumentation and it's still like I said is anchored down by hey this is still this wildlife because listen to the vocal and this is still this wildlife because listen to the guitar work. Exactly. No. So the new record is out on 99 which is a very nice uh a nice easy to remember number. True. Uh it is called Low Tides. What's the story uh behind the record uh conceptually if any um, how did that all come together? The, there wasn't really any like premeditation about it. And I think the same thing happened for clouded where it was once we got the masters back and I was listening, listening back through it, trying to understand like where the songs were coming from. And if there was a common theme about it, you know what, what that would be. And I didn't want to just do like a, a title track necessarily or, uh, or a self-titled, uh, and, and the thing that that kind of stood out to me I was find that self-titled. I always find self-titled is like the biggest cop out. Oh no, total cop out! Like it just, always <laughs> bothers me when it, when one of my favorite bands put out puts out a a self-titled record. In my opinion, if you have your first record, if you want to self-title your first record, that makes sense. 
But when a band does it like on their third record, it's like they just couldn't think of a fucking title, or they couldn't That's agree. That's what that is. <laughs> or that yeah, or maybe yeah, maybe you're right. They couldn't agree. They may they may have had five album titles. I know I know for sure. I had a list of like fifteen different album titles, and and it was a huge battle to get it to where it was. Uh, and that was one where where I won because I felt more strongly about it. So it was like you know Anthony and I had a a text battle for ten minutes, and at the end I was willing to continue arguing, and he wasn't. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's also weird these days because you want to like God, it's so stupid, but you have to think about like the hashtag and all that garbage. You know, like the hashtag is important, and maybe even um, some kind of website or whatever. Like all these things matter. Um, you know, with an album title, which eh, fuck hashtags. Who cares? Yeah, except yeah. Well, I say that, and then I'm thinking, what's our last record? I am alive in everything I touch. That's the last Silverstein record, which is not a good hashtag at all. No, it's but hashtag you don't leave uh, any low ties is pretty good. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> That's already like 139 right there. <laughs> yeah, you're fucked. You're just gonna hashtag the album title and an emoji, and then it's over. <laughs> so you got a new song out, "Pull Me Out." I had to listen to it. Very nice stuff. Uh, what's the um, what's that song about? Uh, I think that one actually is pretty cl- pretty close to the pretty close to the theme of the album. Actually, obviously, you know, I, the chorus says, "Your love is like a riptide," and the album's title is "Low Tides." Uh, yeah. I, to me, it's just a kind of about repetition and and the way that, at least for me personally, that I'm able to continually put myself into situations or surround myself with people or latch on to people in the same kind of negative way and, and allow, allow myself to be brought down either by myself or by other people, but always realizing that, you know, that, that it it always kind of bounces back. And, and that's the idea to me about low tides and high tides is just knowing that the situation that you're in right now, it might, it might suck and it might not be the last time that you're going to be in that exact same situation. Uh, due to your own your own choices or due to outside circumstances but it's always going to bounce back and yeah you, you know it's just i don't know just trying to realize that every situation that you're in isn't permanent and that as long as you're willing to like at least see it through that there is always going to be better times ahead you know ho- hopefully fuck i don't know <laughs> <laughs> Hopefully, fuck yeah! No, I uh, I definitely feel that. And uh, have you thought about making a, a reissue called High Tides, where you turn all the tracks into stoner rock anthems, <laughs> soaring rock anthems? <laughs> no, stoner rock, stoner oh, rock, stoner anthems. rock. I think you said soaring rock. For, yeah, High Tides. I think that would be really great. Maybe get like a Bongzilla guest vocal on there or something. Or if it was just like absolute like EDM, like coked out, just sure, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I was trying to go more with the hippie thing, you know, like uh, that doesn't maybe sell. You get, Shane, like, come on! <laughs> oh no, no, it definitely, definitely does. Have you been to a string cheese incident show? People <laughs> eat that shit up. Oh my god, oh uh, dude, uh, no man. Um, so yeah, what else is going on? You got this big tour, new record, all coming in September. Uh, what are you doing for the rest of the summer? Just hanging out, playing Pokemon? Yeah, I'm playing some Pokemon. Uh, I've been going down to the beach a lot not to like surf or be in the sun, but there's a lot of great water Pokemon down there. <laughs> um, yeah, we've just been hanging out the last two summers. We were on warped and weren't able to be home for, you know, like 4th of July or, 
a lot of the fun stuff. There's a lot of weddings that go on during the summer that we were missing the last couple of years. Right. So right, yeah. been to a couple of friends' weddings and stuff. It's been really cool. I mean, we're, we're definitely like antsy to get back on the road, but we've been, we, we had a pretty busy year, so you know, not as busy as some bands, but it felt like we were gone a lot and it, it was nice to be nice to be home for a while, but we're definitely ready to get back out at it. Absolutely. Cool, man. Well, thank you so much for your time. Um, one more question. Uh, one last, one last final question I want to ask you, um, doing all this, uh, soft acoustic stuff all the time. Do you ever just want to start a side project where you're like playing drums in a hardcore band or, or doing something heavy and aggressive? Is that ever something that you might just be like, Hey, fuck it. I'm home for two months. The only thing that stops me from doing that is knowing that I could be more productive with this wildlife stuff rather than to go out and do like a fun side project. Uh, right. That being said, I'm wildly unproductive most of the time anyway, so I probably could fit it in. <laughs> uh, but the answer is yes, absolutely. Like I would love to either play drums or guitar or even scream for like a metalcore or a jet band. Uh, it's, we, nice. listen, we listen to so much heavy stuff. Uh, and I think it's it's kind of like every band that you tour with. I bet you guys, when you're in the van, you guys aren't listening to a ton of screamo and you know hardcore and stuff. You guys probably listen to some softer stuff, right? We listen to podcasts, okay. uh, well, and then we <laughs> listen to like yeah, and we listen to like yeah, you're right. We listen to like Page of the Lion and and uh, oh, we listen to a lot of Lonely Island actually. New Lonely Island records pretty funny. Nice, definitely <laughs> check it out. <laughs> but but you're a screamer. Have you screamed in a band before? I have never actually screamed in a band before now, so that would be that would be a first for me. I would actually r- rather than get some friends to do, I'd rather just do what Caleb, you know, Caleb Shoma does and just make a record on my own. Uh, sure. And I've thought about that, just releasing like a hardcore EP in the in the future. But for now, I, th- I think I should probably try at least try and focus on just becoming a pokey master and you know making this wildlife successful. <laughs> yeah, those are in that order. That's the priority, I think. <laughs> <laughs> well dude it's really really great talking to you man great catching up um are you going to be out at the warp tour dates in uh southern california pomona yeah. or san diego yeah i'm gonna go to both for sure uh, i'm going to both too so i'll see you there we'll hang very cool enjoy the rest of your time in europe shane i will man thanks again for your time thanks for getting up early for me and uh you heading back to uh, bed or you headed to the beach to catch pokemon let's be honest beach for sure <laughs> you're so addicted dude you're so addicted it's over it's over for you i'm a sick man <laughs> thanks again kevin all right take care shane all the rest man so there it is my conversation with kevin um i got a confession to make um so yeah i got the app the pokemon go app and uh it's kind of taken over the last three or four days of my life and now i feel like the biggest hypocrite in the world uh telling well making fun of kevin basically telling him uh telling him he's got it bad because uh, I think I've got it bad and I can't wait to get home to Toronto. We're leaving tomorrow to catch some Pokemon in Trinity Bellwoods Park. So I will see you all there, Torontonians. And uh, yeah, I am the worst and I just, hey, I'm a slave to impulse and I guess Pokemon has gotten under my skin and I think it's here to stay. Anyways, thanks again so much for tuning into this week's episode. As always, I encourage you to go back, listen to some of the old episodes. We've got like 36 of them or something. They're all pretty good, so check them out. And if you like the show, please write a review on iTunes. That also goes a hell of a long way. So thank you so much for the support. I truly enjoy doing this for you guys every week. 
I will leave you with the tune as always. Here is the brand new This Wildlife track. It's called Pull Me Out. Here it is on Lead Singer Syndrome. Peace and love. Your pinky made a promise that you couldn't keep. You said you'd never leave. You said you'd never leave. I was up with you the nights you couldn't sleep. You said you'd never leave. You said you needed me. Chasing something that you know I'd never be. You said you'd never leave. I'm tired of watching you go. to the core.